From active time battling to zombie slaying, Waffling Tailors covers video games and beyond. We are kicking off the new year and the new season of Waffling Tailors Retro and Beyond with a bang. Because why not? Today we are joined by Nomad from the Retro Wildlands podcast. We've teased him in from the Wildlands to talk about Resident Evil. So when you're ready, strap yourselves in for our episode on the Resident Evil franchise named Resident Evil Requiem for a Jill Sandwich. Hello and welcome back to a new year, a new season of Waffling Tailors. Can you believe it's 2023? Totally not recorded last year. Um... I am your anthropomorphic werewolf who works as a police officer by day, Squidge, one of your hosts. My other co-host, which is, I don't know why I'm pointing with my thumb. You can't see it, I can see it, I'll point anyway. Point with my thumb. He's sexy and he knows it. It's Jay, make some noise just to make sure we can, you know, your mic isn't bust. Give us some noise. I'd say it's not bust, that makes sense to me. That's that's my sexy and my know it uh, sound. Edge. Clearly, a man of the world making a noise like that. Clearly, uh, I don't make noises like that because I'm not a man of the world. I'm, I'm a wolf. What do you expect? I've only got small hands, small paws. I've only got small paws. Small paws. Um, That's it. No we, in this virtual round, <laughs> in this virtual round table, we are joined by a guest. I've managed to wrangle him out of the wildlands. Um, fellow podcaster with a number of different pods under his belt. It is Nomad. Please, sir, make some noise to to make sure that the connection's still there and your mic is working. Ah, can everyone hear me? Thank you guys for having me. I, I, I can't replicate that just oozing sexual awesomeness that, that Jay had just now, but I'm here, you guys. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Look, some guys got it, some guys don't. <laughs> it's the glasses. Take the glasses off him, you won't see him. He just goes invisible. It's like a reverse, a reverse ring from Lord of the Rings. Takes the glasses off, you can't see him. That's it. <laughs> scary thing to encounter last thing on the night but we'll both go there um so we <laughs> just don't go in so, the bathroom i don't think anyone would to be honest it's uh scary times you, you think fallout is scary anyway so we are here today to talk about uh resident evil our love of resident evil but before we do that nomad sir please tell us about your podcast i didn't want to do that i'd rather you Oh. Chill it for a bit. Go on. Tell us about your podcast. Come on. Oh, all right. Uh, so I'll give you guys the elevator pitch. So so my name is Nomad. I hail from the United States, a little state called Ohio. It's it's maybe a little well known, especially for its weather. Um, but my podcast is about the games that I have discovered or rediscovered while roaming the gaming wildlands. That sounds good. That's my catchphrase. Mm. But really what it is, is <laughs> I'm a I'm a 38-year-old guy who loves video games, and I've grown up playing games most of my young adolescent life and well into adulthood. My episodes are around games specifically, and what I try to do is I have my episodes around a couple different parts. They're one part review, they're one part game overview, they're one part my experiences and personal memories, and they're one part nostalgia. Mix all that together, and, and that's my show. 
basically my goal is if you've played a game before that I'm talking about, I hope you end my episode with a bunch of nostalgia and all them tingly feelings that you get. Mm. And if you've never played the game before, hopefully it's a nice introduction into what the game is and maybe something you may want to play. And if not, maybe you just listen to me talk for an hour and I killed a little bit of your time. <laughs> mm. So I, I, yeah. I definitely want to lean on the nostalgia a lot. It's it's not what I originally intended to do when I started, but it's turning into that, and I'm really having fun with it. I mean, nostalgia makes sense because you can you can tech spec someone to death, can't you? So a bit of nostalgia, you know, the the story behind the pad is what we like to hear. Exactly. You know? so, yep. Yeah, it's way too easy to technical specifications and Wikipedia article reading someone to death, which is. I, I have way too many podcasts on my uh, on my phone that I listen to where it's just, so let me read the Wikipedia article to you. And I'm like, no, mm. I'm skipping this one. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, yeah. It's all about the fun times. It's all about the games, the memories, and just, just feeling good mm. overall. So, yeah, that's it. We're, uh, we're into that. I'm definitely into that. I'm a big uh, retro gaming fan myself. Uh, go to a, a number of different um, events. Uh, pre and post everyone being sent to our rooms globally mm-hmm. um so i've i've got huge stacks of stuff all over the place um just a, a, a little tidbit i've actually got the resident evil 2 specific ps1 controller Ooh. the the grip and the, the gun handle that was i found that in a bargain bin for four quid i don't even know if it works but i grabbed it <laughs> um so a big fan of resident evil myself so Let's start as we mean to move on. Just one second, this, uh, Rich. Hmm? What about where can I find the Retro World Lens? Oh, Is yes. I can't believe now. I can't believe I forgot that. Where can we find uh, your wax, sir? So I am all over the internet now. I'm on most major podcast services, Spotify, iTunes, Google, um, Amazon. Um, but you can also find us over on social media as well. I've got a presence on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Um, I have a website, uh, retro wildlands podcast.podbean.com. Um, mm. it, that's, that's our basic website. So if you don't have any of those services or you don't want to subscribe to any of those channels, wh- whatever, you can listen through the website. That's the best place to find me. And I'm always roaming the wildlands somewhere out in that general direction. <laughs> mm. there, there are ways and means up to and including carrier pigeon to find your work. That's good to know. We, we, really we take, we take it seriously. Any way we can get it out there, carrier pigeon messenger, we're doing it. Well, just as a, a quick tidbit, carrier pigeons are a lot better than ravens because you know ravens tend to hold a grudge, and I don't know why. That's true. Uh, they're still they're still not going anywhere near me. So blame Edgar Allan Poe. That's why. That's why. Yeah, yeah. Edgar <laughs> Allan Poe and Edgar Wright. I'm just going to blame the pair. Of them. But, yeah, exactly. Um, that makes sense because they've both got the same first name, right? That's that's how oh, it yeah, works. Yeah, <laughs> they've, they've both got eyes in their name. Um, anyway, so. Let's uh, let's kick off with a bang, shall we? With this this episode that I've called Resident Evil Requiem for a Jill Sandwich, because um, <laughs> I just feel like it. So uh-huh. let's start off with the first thing I want to ask you. Now I have actually listened to your first episode about Resident Evil. It did give me the nostalgic tingles. It did leave me wanting more. As in, why wasn't this two hours? I wanted to hear about everything. <laughs> um, and surprisingly. It's the only podcast that I can actually listen to because other podcasts, I just can't. I, I edit them 
as my job. I just can't listen to podcasts. You know, I hear I hear his voice way too much. Um, Thanks. His being Jay, the uh, magnificent, shining, sexual chocolate that he is. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Ugh. so my first question is: You've got a number of different episodes under your belt, quite a few, in fact. Why did you start with Resident Evil? So Resident Evil is where it all started for me as a gamer. So and it was all downhill after that. It's it's been a spiral. <laughs> it's like it's like circling the toilet. It's still a fun ride, but <laughs> it's enjoyable. Yeah, absolutely. But but no, that's that's where it all started for me for a gamer. Now that's not to say that's the very first game I ever played. I've been playing games since more or less the cradle. The, the Nintendo at my grandmother's house, the Super Nintendo that my parents got uh, a couple years after that. So I, I, I've had games, but it was Resident Evil that solidified my passion for video games. And and here's how it all kind of went around, if I can regale everyone with with the story. So Telaware. Oh, Telaware. Yes, yes. And and this is in the podcast as well, folks out there. Oh, that's is that a shameless plug? Nah, I don't think that's, so. That's that's a cheap plug, not a shameless one. <gasps> okay. cheap. Fair enough. I like that there's levels. I d I didn't realize oh, there's yeah. levels. Yeah, there's okay. different levels. <laughs> so I we had a Sony PlayStation in in our home for, for quite a while. But one day my stepfather came home and he had a game in his hand that he couldn't he didn't really want to show it to me. He kind of kept it under under his arm, right? And he pulls me aside and he goes, "I've got this game. It's called Resident Evil. And you are not allowed to watch me play this game." And he left it at that. And I I'm looking at him like, "What what what does that mean? What is this? What is Resident Evil?" So he tells me a little bit about it. It's about characters that are trapped in a mansion with zombies. And apparently it's very scary and it's very gory. Like I wouldn't be able to handle it if I saw this. So like a good little stepson, I, I retreat to my room, which was just off the living room. At, anytime my, my stepdad would play this game. But that didn't last very long because I would slowly creep the door open and I would watch I would crawl into the living room and look over the couch while he was playing. And I remember him playing the opening of the game where if, if, if you and your listeners remember, they enter the mansion and go into the dining room and Barry finds the blood up by the, the fireplace. And at that point I was hooked in this mystery. What is going on? And then he was playing. I think he was playing Jill at the time went into the next room and that's where you saw the very first zombie that very iconic oh yeah that 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 opening and i i must have squeaked or made some sort of noise or chirp because as soon as that happened he whipped around and saw me behind the couch what are you doing out here i told you you're not supposed to watch this and then we both hear his character dying in the back and i got him <laughs> killed see what you did <laughs> Yeah, it's like you cannot play this. That's like catnip to a kid, no chance. Yeah. Oh. You know, you're told you can't play this. Your gaming meerkat ears went up. Oh, big! You know, you're like, really, really, <laughs> big, big time. Because at that point, especially in my gaming quote unquote career, at that point, I've never seen a game like that, and especially oh, the the opening, that that live mm -hmm. action opening with real actors. That oh, yeah. preceded the the actual game itself. I remember seeing that too, and I was just blown away. It's that it's that stereotypical. The graphics can't get better than this moment, and it, it locked me in. I knew I wanted to play it. So over over time, 
as I kept sneaking out of my room to watch him play this, finally my stepdad realized it was futile and he was just going to let me watch. But that also turned into him letting me play with him. And then I had to finish the game for him because he kept dying and not getting as far as he wanted to. (laughs) But we shared a lot of good memories with that game. And that's the biggest thing that I remember with Resident Evil is the memories that I shared with my stepdad. Those iconic moments walking down the hallway where that dog burst through the window we dropped our controller on the ground, scrambled to get it, couldn't get it in time. We died again, but our heart would not stop beating for probably a good 30 minutes after that. A little jump scare like that, that nowadays is just, it's just something small, but it, oh, it really stuck with us. It's like the icing on the cake, right? That's, that's what it is. It's the icing on the cake. <laughs> 100%. And... The tension in that game was so thick, and we had no idea what to expect. I mean, Resident Evil's everywhere now, and and most people, I would think, that are semi-familiar with the series kind of know what it's all about. But the very first time we played it, we didn't know why zombies were in this mansion. We didn't know why these dogs were running around. What is really going on here? And that that mystery really drove us, and, and we bonded over it. And that whole experience, once we were done with it, and, and, and put it away for something else. That's when I knew I want more of these experiences in my life. And Resident Evil was by far the biggest catalyst for me. I like it. I like it. I remember there was, um, cause it came out as I was, I was in like, uh, high school and it was, it was the thing where right? everybody got to, a bunch of my friends all got together during like a, a recess or whatever. I'm, I'm translating to help you understand. Cause if I say during break time, you know, it may not be, may not translate so well. So during one of the recesses, we were all sort of sitting together and my friend John said, dude, I've got this game, right? And you get locked in this mansion and it's full of zombies. And it was like, <gasps> what? Can we come around and play? What, what's this all about? And, uh, and I remember, um, I went around to his house and he was, he just gotten in and there's loads of stuff that you can do that they've like, there's, there's a, I'll, I'll see if I can find it, put it in the show notes and send you it as well. If you're interested, uh, nomad, there's a website where someone has broken down every single one of the sort of branching choices you can make throughout the game and all the differences that it makes. So like, uh, when you first start, if you're playing as Jill, um, and you know, Barry says, see if there's any other clues, right? You're supposed to go through the door and see the zombie. If you don't do that and go back into the main hall, Wesker says, oh, you should go and look for more clues. You go back in and then go back out again. It won't let you out. That's when the zombie bursts through, right? But then once you've done that whole bit, when you go into the main hall again, you can open the front door and a whole bunch of dogs run in and bum rush you and and take you out that way. So there's like loads of different, like, uh, these aren't like secret Easter eggy things, but like those little things that they put in. It was a very, like, the game is very linear. You've got to go to here to do this, then there to do that. But they put loads of these little things in to just sort of add the spice, right? I Absolutely. really like that. <laughs> Absolutely. That, that really added to not just the replay value, but the experience, too. I, I remember the very beginning. Gary, uh, Barry gives you the lock pick and calls you the master of unlocking. And before, he, before him and, and, and Jill part ways specifically, he points to the door at the other end of the hall and says, how about you check over there? I'm going to go back to the dining room. But I remember going upstairs in a different playthrough and decided what's going to happen now. And off the very top uh, of, of the staircase, a side room, you come across a long corridor that's that's full of blood and someone's injured and has been through there. And you come across uh, Forrest, I think his name was, another member of the STARS team. 
Mm-hmm. Now, depending on when you decide to go up there, Barry may actually be up there and you have a conversation with him and he gives Jill the the bazooka. But depending on what you do, he may not actually be up there sometimes. And, and the little things like that that influence the story, little decisions that you're making that you don't even realize that you're making really enhance that experience. They really do. They really do. And going back to what you said about um, about having like the memories of, of all of this, like the connection that you and your, your stepdad had because of this game, that, that to me was what gaming was in the 90s, right? It was you go around to a friend's house or your friends all come around to your house or in your case, you know, you're sitting with your stepdad or, you know, I was sitting with my stepdad and we're just like, let's, let's put Tomb Raider on or let's put Resident Evil on and just see what we can do. Right. Or, Hey, let's have a race on Gran Turismo or something. Right. Cause it was, it was just those moments of being together. Um, and I feel like, I feel like in the, the, the sort of online connected multiplayer Xbox live and whatever the PlayStation version is, we can just sit around in your living room and don't have to talk to anyone. That feels a little, like there's a little, there's a step missing, right? <laughs> oh yeah, you're you're 100 right, Jay, and that's 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 always been a big part of it for me too. My my friends were the same way; they heard about this game before they even saw it, and I was I was fortunate enough to be able to tell them about it. There was even instances where they would get the game and not know about those little nuances, like going out into the dining room, going back into the main hall again, and and Wesker yelling at you and telling you to go back, or or certain other secrets, or even certain jump scares, certain things that you can miss just because you don't go into a certain room it's that kind of of connection with a game yeah that's that's why resident evil will always stick with me i mean you you started off with the first resident evil i was a bit late to the game surprisingly um, i started for resident evil 2 but i'd come from a, a you know mega drive genesis background and three buttons and an up down left right you know then you put me on a game with tank controls didn't know the controls. They just sat me there. I was playing as Claire. Five seconds later, I was getting munched. I thought, is this just a zombie feeding simulator? You know? <laughs> then then got sat down in front of the first Resident Evil, was allowed to read the book, got the controls down, and same thing happened. I just got munched. And I, I just thought, I'm not having this. I just kept going and going. And um, eventually I got the hang of it. You know? No dog could chomp me. Zombies couldn't outrun me. You know, I was blowing heads off left, right, and center. We're talking in the game here. Um, <laughs> you know, finding the different weaponry, finding, you know, Barry's popping up all over the place like a teleporting, I don't know. Like He must be teleporting. That's what it must be, you know. Um, his Finding his eternal quest for a sandwich, you know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it definitely, it, it was... It, it took on a life of its own, getting a lot of inspiration from like the first Alone in the Dark game. You know, it took that, made it a lot quicker. It it was definitely bright, but it didn't have like it had atmospheric colours instead of just green and brown and so much chasing. No, no, no. You know, let's let's turn that up to eleven. So I, I can see why you made that as your your first episode. Oh yeah, yeah. Start off strong. Yeah, the, the the tone was perfect, really. Because again, when we were playing this way back when the first release, we have no idea what's going on around here. And the music was perfect. Even the absence of music and all you heard when you're walking down hallways is those footsteps. But I, I have to share a very quick story bringing up uh, Barry and his sandwich quest. Um, <laughs> it's... 
it's comical now. And and thinking about and, and listening to Barry say, uh, Jill, you were almost a Jill sandwich or whatever he says. It's funny now, <laughs> but I remember going into that room with my stepdad and the the one room past the the room with the the trap that comes down and finding the shotgun and i remember my stepdad going oh shotgun grab that thing and i grab it and the two hooks that it's sitting on rise up and he tells me to go somewhere else in the mansion go do something else and i i, I stop him and i say this is bad that nothing <laughs> everything in this environment is pre-rendered but it but they made yeah. it a point to make those hooks go up this is bad mm. So we went into the next room and triggered that trap, of course, and we couldn't get out. And my stepdad looks at me and goes, I'm sorry. I didn't know. <laughs> but Barry to the rescue. And, and I remember both of us sighing with relief after that. It was, it was a fun moment in that moment. It'll never, ha- it'll never have the same luster the very first time you do it, I don't think. But hmm. it's, it's iconic. I, uh, for years, I had that line as my text message tone. So whenever I was playing it, I checked my phone. Is it made? No. no. <laughs> awesome. The, interest, the interesting thing about that room, though, is that um, there is a, like you were saying earlier on, no, no matter about, there's a certain cer- certain set of steps you can take to have Barry meet you in the forest room. Um, there's a certain st- set of steps you can take where Barry doesn't save you. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you're just like, don't worry, he'll save me. He's supposed why isn't he saving me? Is the game crashed or something? And there, there's a certain, because, you know, in the story of, of the game, he's at that point on the other side of the mansion. So he, he has no reason to follow you around. So, yeah, hmm. it's interesting stuff. Well, <laughs> also, the fact that um, that line is referenced in Revelations 2. Oh, yes. right. Yeah, I was almost a Claire Sandwich. Does he tell everyone that story? <laughs> I, I remember playing Revelations 2 and getting to that part, and I laughed out loud, and, and my wife was sitting on the couch looking at me like, what is so funny about that? It's like, ah, you don't get it. It's fine. <laughs> I'll explain later. I've got, got to kill things. I'll explain later. <laughs> Okay, um, so of the different games in the series, because there's lo- there's 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 like I, I haven't counted them, but I want to say like fifty bajillion Resident Evil titles, give or take. Sounds about right. Yep. <laughs> yeah, 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 with a with a error for margin of about a hundred percent. So of the different games um, in the Resident Evil series, what would you say are your most memorable ones? Like you, you like you can always like obviously the first one, right? But are there any others? Yeah. <laughs> so have either of you heard of Resident Evil Outbreak? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Resident Evil Outbreak and Resident Evil Outbreak File 2, the sequel, are the most memorable. Bloody elephant. Oh, that's... Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> for, for whatever reason, and, and when I think about it, those two games, or the Outbreak series, immediately come to mind when I think of, of, of memory. And... Maybe the games themselves are not as memorable per se, but for me, they always come out and, and, and jump out at me. The biggest reason being is, is for those, maybe there's someone listening that may not know what the series is. It was originally pitched as an online game for the PlayStation 2. And the characters that you play as, it's not Leon Kennedy, it's not Claire Redfield. You're playing everyday survivors that are in Raccoon City. And you're put in, I I think the first game had five and the second had four uh, scenarios. 
where you're given an objective, get to this point, evacuate from here, find this thing, so, some sort of scenario. Mm. And it recreates uh, the feeling of being a civilian in Raccoon City as as the T-virus is ravaging everything and everything's all going to hell. And the reason that always stuck with me is that game series was way ahead of its time and it was very, very fun to play. Uh, what, what made it fun to play was not just going through these, these short-ish scenarios. Every character that you play as is unique. Uh, there's Kevin, who was an RPD police officer, and he's more geared towards offensive abilities. He comes equipped with his own gun that does some decent damage. But there's also Cindy. Cindy's a server at a bar. She's very timid. She doesn't really have combat training. Um, and every every character you you play as has different abilities that plays to them specifically. Cindy has a duck animation that'll get her out of danger. Uh, Mark, the security guard, he's more focused towards combat, that, that kind of thing. I loved going through those scenarios, playing as these different people and working my way through. The bad thing is, is I never got to play it online with other human beings, but I still had fun with this game to the point where I did everything. I had strategy guides. I checked them all off and I can't (laughs) possibly do anything more with this game, but it was so, so unique. Hmm. The item hunting in that just to get the completion rating. It might be there. It might not. What difficulty you want, Sodja? Right. Although, although I will say my favorite, because every every character got a costume. My favorite costume to run around any scenario was the colored stick man. Oh my god! Made my day. <laughs> Each character had a different colored stick man, and you just run around as a stick man. It just made my day. Nice. <laughs> yeah, that game knew how to do it unique like that. It's it was awesome. Mm. <sighs> yeah, very ahead of its time. So it's a shame it. If it had come out like 10 years later, it'd have been amazing um, with all the online features being prevalent, you know, and everyone used to it and what have you. But I mean, you you can play it online, but it involves a certain version of it and a certain emulator and it's it's a lot of jiggery-pokery. Yeah, it's it's almost not worth it at this point, though, but I, I still hold out hope. That one day Capcom will go back to that because I, I'd like to think there's enough fan outcry for something like that. Like there's, uh, what was it? Resident Evil Resistance, I think, released with the Resident <laughs> Evil 3 remake. And then they're, they just came out with, I think, Resident Evil uh, Reverse or however mm. they want to call it there. And they're interesting concepts, these arena shooters or, or whatever they want to put together with some unique spins on, on the genre and the source material, which is fine. But every time I see something like this come out, it's like, just give me Outbreak. Give me a chance to play with my friends, either sitting next to us, next to each other on a couch or online. And let's just see if we can survive. Give me that. Mm. I am. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm personally a fan of uh, Gun Survivor 2, Ooh. which is, uh, it's, it's kind it's, the game's set in the Co-Veronica universe. It's first person and you use a light gun and you've got to get to a set point. And it's it's set in all the different locations of Co-Veronica. But if you take too long, Nemesis chases you. Hello there. And I know, <laughs> I know, right? The main story part didn't interest me. It was the sub game, which was uh, a, uh, like, the f- 
it was it was a dungeon crawler. You just kept going down, and the further you go down, the harder it gets. But you pick up unique weapons and you fight bats, and it's just a first-person dungeon crawler on a Resident Evil game that you can use a light gun for. And I thought it was really novel. That's interesting. I I, I know of Gun Survivor Two. I've seen images online and some gameplay, but I had no idea that existed in that game. That's going to make me want to try to find a way to play it. That sounds cool. Well, the version I've got at it, I'm. Yeah, I assume every version's got it. Um, but for me, hands down, the best Resident Evil game is one that I don't... It, it didn't come out in the States. It's for the Game Boy Color. Ah, yes. called Called Resident Evil Gaiden. And I describe this as... Um, Resident Evil meets Rock Band. Mm-hmm. It's probably the best way to describe it. That's that's good, yeah. I've I've had the pleasure of playing that game, actually. And that's ex- the pleasure that's- or the displeasure? <laughs> uh, it depends. <laughs> but to, to to color in that rock band aspect of it, or at least what I think you're going after, is the combat in this game is very unique in that your your little mm. your little pixel Barry Burton's walking across the screen, and if he encounters a zombie, you enter kind of a battle mode of sorts. And you're it's kind of first person, and zombies are coming at you, and the closer they get to you, then they can hit you and do damage. But on the bottom of your screen is this little slider, and then there's this little sweet spot right next or right below each zombie that's coming at you. And you have to hit your attack button when that slider is right in the middle of that sweet spot to be able to damage the zombie. And if you miss, you waste bullets, and they're still going to come at you. So it's it's kind of like a Resident Evil Rock Band rhythm game, something or other. It was <laughs> it was weird, but it had a charm to it. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> yeah, there's there's two things that always threw me off about that game the first one is if you need a key or a key card or something it's always on a zombie next to the door which threw me off <laughs> that extended my time i thought i'd missed everything uh, you, you couldn't find items there was no like little glint you had to literally walk over everything and the other one was if i tried to put any weaponry on lucy i crashed the game yeah. you put weaponry on the person you're going to help if you switch to her and try and use the weapon, the game just shuts down. Wow. Interesting. So I managed to crash it. I don't think I ever tried that. I always felt like, nah, the big boys will handle this. You just get behind me. I'll protect you. But that's good to know. I will not do that now. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Def- definitely. Yeah. I could say. What about you, Jay? So, I know you haven't played all of them, but. So just real quick, before I've got a couple of thoughts based on what you've both said. So mm-hmm. firstly, uh, Resident, Resident Evil Gaiden as Resident Evil Rock Band. I think I would play that game, like a, like a rock band, but with some of the songs from the many different Resident Evil games. I think that would be quite fun, you know, just jamming out to the one of the save themes on a on a uh, on one of those plastic guitars. That would be loads of fun. <laughs> uh, Fisher Price rock guitar. I would be into that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, right. Or even um, like the uh, the Resident Evil Two. When you beat the game, you get like like that rock track. Da 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 da. When you when you complete the B scenario. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, that one. Get all your friends out with your with your plastic instruments. You jam out on that. That would be brilliant. And and I think as, as a le- less silly note, I genuinely genuinely feel like Resident Evil Outbreak. If that hadn't have been released, we wouldn't have had things like Left 4 Dead because they were very similar. Mm. Just like Left 4 Dead was first person, right? In that idea that you could play with friends on well, not us in the UK. It never it didn't come out over here in time for us to catch the online services. So, like, you couldn't play it online, at least here in the UK, but you the idea is, obviously, you play online with three or four of your friends, and you go solve those smaller 
individual scenarios by working as a team, which like you do with with Left 4 Dead. Or if you're Squidge, you run out, get the uh, the witch to follow you, and then you bring the witch back to the rest of the group. <laughs> one time I did that. <laughs> one time. Sorry, Squidge. I, I, I was that guy once too. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, first time I played it, I, I loved just doing Guns Akimbo and shooting anything that moved, including the people I was supposed to be helping. Um, so, you know, I was a detriment to myself, my team, and everything, really. Just because it was like it's moving, shoot it, you know. <laughs> no tactics. Just if you, if you, if I'm shooting and you walk in my line of fire, your fault. <laughs> uh, nice. So, so whose fault is that? You or your teammates not knowing how you roll? So, could go either way. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um. Well, so what? So you, you're asking me, Squidge, which is my most memorable mm. Resident Evil. I think the ones you've played. I think perhaps the original Resident Evil 2, just because I have this really, really, really vivid memory of I wasn't even playing it. It was being played in the room that I was in. We'd gone around to see like a family friend and she's sitting there playing Resident Evil 2. And there's a bit in the RPD um, uh, building where you walk into an interrogation room, you see something shiny, you pick it up, you go out, and then a dog bursts through the one-way mirror. And obviously I'm just like, oh, cool, this is a 3D game. You're running around picking things up and where's the door you know (laughs) the the best part about that i I remember that too it's it's those scary moments where as you're walking through and the camera shifts you know it's coming and it doesn't come Mm -hmm. and that anticipation just builds but then you walk back like ah maybe it's fine and then uh it's all over yep Yep. you end up juggling your control involuntary yeah that's the one yep that's exactly it something nomad i just thought i'd throw this into the middle here uh we do something that's a bit fun sort of mix it up a little bit called the thunder plane games would you be interested in playing the thunder plane games as long as i don't have to dodge lightning 200 times in a row to get an item i'm all for it <laughs> <laughs> man, of culture. man of culture indeed excellent <laughs> <laughs> okay so the setup for the thunder plane games for obviously for your um, benefit no matter for anyone else who's joined us new today is we want you to imagine that you're in Final Fantasy X and that the Thunder Plains is a place that you can get banished to. What we're going to do is we're going to open a portal to the Thunder Plains and very nicely and very politely boot you through it. Ah, okay. um, you will get help. Maybe it'll be tomorrow. Maybe it'll be in a week. Maybe it'll be in an hour. Um, we're going to send you through with all of the survival stuff so you get a whole stack of food like some shelter and ways to make fire and things like that, keep yourself warm. But to stop you from getting bored, we've said that we'll keep the portal open, but only enough to throw through up to two or three video games and everything you need to play them, including an internet connection. And the only rules are that you can't ask for help because it's already on the way and you can't tell anyone that you're in the Thunderplane game. Because like I said, right, it's like a social experiment. So my question to you, Noah, what are you taking through with you? Remember, we'll supply everything that you need to play the games. You need a PlayStation, we'll give you a PlayStation. You need the internet, we'll give you the internet. What are you taking? Well, let me ask you this question, since this is a Resident Evil-centric episode. Are these strictly Resident Evil games, or is anything on the table? You can anything. take anything. Okay. So, right off the bat, 
one of my favorite game genres and one and, and one that kind of keeps me sane is role-playing games, RPGs. So for my PlayStation Vita, which is the best handheld system ever made, <laughs> I'm bringing Persona 4 Golden. Why? Why are people into that game? I don't <laughs> <laughs> And it's funny you say that, Squidge, because I don't even know why I'm into the game either. <laughs> I, but hear me out. So... I, I was fortunate enough to get a physical copy at my local GameStop, and I started playing it, and I couldn't put it down. Reason is, this game has a very addictive combat system. It's got a very addictive story. It, it's very, it grabs you. And the different relationship mechanics and, and things like that, where you're meeting new classmates and trying to earn their favor and grow bonds with them, which translates into gameplay and all of that, it's... I don't know. There's just something about it. And I've never actually finished it. I got to a point where I stopped and never went back to it. So I would want to bring that and finish it. And I, I, I heard there's a, a, I think there's a new game plus or an, another way to play it after you finish. So that I'm sure since I've already put 63 hours into that game and not finished it, that'll tide me over for a little bit. Oh, you're about halfway then. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The second game that I would bring is on the Sony PlayStation Portable the next greatest handheld ever made. I would bring Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker. Glutton for punishment, then. <laughs> so, I don't know. My, my, my pleasure is your pain, I guess. I, I love that punishment. <laughs> <laughs> I love you said that with a smile on your face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I have always adored that game. And the reason I'd bring it with me to the Thunder Plains is it's a lot of the replayability, but the biggest thing for me is Peace Walker has a fantastic, fantastic base building mechanic. And it's almost kind of a mature version of Pokemon where you're building up your base and you're trying to capture personnel to populate your base. And those people that you grab to put into your headquarters all have different skills, different abilities that add to different things like your medical ward or your tech, and you can build certain things up. And I always love that aspect. And I've always loved the Metal Gear Solid universe as a whole. And Peace Walker is very rife with story. You can sit and listen to these audio cassette tapes that give you more background information. And, and I love David Hayter as a voice actor, and I could listen to him read a phone book. So that would occupy my time very well. Metal Gear Solid, Peace Walker. Nice. Uh, you blow my mind. I'm, I'm never going to see Metal Gear Solid, Peace Walker, and Five the same way again. <laughs> big, I'm a big Pokemon player, so I'm just going to look for strengths and weaknesses and build a team. Oh, God. Oh, it, no. it, there's more parallels than you think, Squidge. Those those soldiers that you're capturing in Metal Gear, they don't want to be captured, but you're going to do it anyway, and they're going to like it and be willingly a part of your team, just like just like Charmander, Squirtle, the rest of them. <laughs> I um, side question. I remember when I played Metal Gear Solid Five, I I captured that many people in the first area that they were using inflatable soldiers. Oh yes. <laughs> um, I was I was just taking everyone I could get my hands on. Um, not just that, but I was I was Fulton recovering everything I could. The funniest one I ever found was I tranquilized a goat, <laughs> put the Fulton recovery system on it, and as it went up, you just heard this <laughs> amazing. I, but it was it, that was at the point where you could record little clips, so I had like a ten second clip, and I just kept playing it. I was rolling, howling with laughter. I, I did the same thing, and my wife again was watching me. She goes, "Why did you do that?" And I just go, "I just went." 
I don't I don't know. But it's because <laughs> I can. Because <laughs> I can. It, that was that was the mission. That was the mission. In this game, I am God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, quick side thought on that, just before we go to your your, your last few games, right? Okay. Um, first question, which will likely uh, split us all up. Favorite first gen Pokemon starter? Go. Charmander. Ooh. Charmander. Ooh. I have. I don't know what it is. I've I've heard arguments for both. Uh, Bulbasaur and Squirtle. I love fire. Is that bad? I love fire. Nah, that's a, that, that, that's all it is. I love Charmander. I'm all, I love about, I'm all about Bulbasaur. Awesome. And I'm showing. I'm showing to the camera just for the for the listener. Showing to the camera. Take a screenshot. Yeah. yeah, I'll I'll take a I'll take a screenshot and I'll just like crop just me. There we go. Did that work? I don't think it did. Well, anyway. Um. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, Squidge got me uh, for for like Christmas or for a birthday one year a set of Legos to build up a a a Bulbasaur and it's teeny tiny. It fits in the palm of my hand and it's beautiful. It's lovely because because it's the best. Sorry. If if anyone remembers playing the mess that was Pokemon Red or Blue back in the day on the Game Boy, where you had to get a set light. So you could see the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, you could understand the frustration I'm, I'm about to hit on people. Um, I had Charmander evolving into Charizard as my main. I didn't use anything else. I brute forced my way into completion with him alone. And I have no idea how. That's incredible. <laughs> that is just stubbornness, I suppose. But I, I, I remember doing that. It took me ages. Many batteries died for the cause. But, um, yeah, I brute-forced my way to become champion and then beat Gary and then whatever the hell else it was, just using one Pokemon. All I did. Nice. I, to this day, I still can't do it now, and I'm wiser and older, apparently. Um, <laughs> but I still can't recreate it, and I'm not even going to try on the Game Boy and copy of Blue I've still got. I just, nah, I, I don't have the uh, the ability to maintain that kind of stress level, I don't think. Yeah, we we were a different breed when we were younger. We were we were able to tolerate a lot of different things way back when. I mm. I I remember playing uh, Pokemon Red and then Blue with a random stranger that I met when I went cap ca- when I went camping one day and using the link cable we battled each other and somehow I pulled out a victory and no matter what happened the rest of that day it was all worth it. We were in our tents. The, the, there was hardly any light, and we're twisting the screen around. But I beat that kid, and I beat him good, and I felt good about it. <laughs> you remember it to this day, that random person. I beat them down. Right. His name. His name was. B- St- stick on your CV. That's right. I think his name was Bill. Might have been Jeremy. I don't know. But I remember <laughs> you, sir. <laughs> nice. Nice. So the the second quick thought that I had was because you talked about Metal Gear Solid. I have this very vivid memory of Metal Gear Solid 2 on the Xbox and how I never used to play the main story. I just be, used to play as uh, Raiden. Is that right? Yeah, or the, whatever no, the, his name was. The, if you're on about Tanker and Plant, Tanker yeah. was Snake, Plant was Raiden. That's right. Raiden. That's right yeah. yeah, yeah. So I used to play the, the bit with Snake where you're just running around and stealing everyone's dog tags. I used to love doing that. Just sneak up behind someone and go, freeze. <laughs> 
that that was always my favorite too. I remember playing that game, especially coming off of Metal Gear Solid, the original on the PlayStation, and just the idea that you could hold somebody up, go into first person and point at their head or or even their crotch if you're a masochist, and just make them give up items blew my mind. It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yep. I used to like um in the section with Raiden when I was outside, I used to like um tranking the beds. Just have Rose to have a go at me. It just it made my day. Would you stop attacking those beds? Oh, okay. Pff, I told you stop attacking them. <laughs> uh. I used all my rounds up, and then I had to just batter people before I could get more ammunition because I was just shooting them beds. Nice. All were tranks. I didn't kill them. They just fell into the sea and floated. Mm. You know, but uh, <laughs> it was it was their fault. I slipped on their bed poop, so I was just taking vengeance. Yes, I remember that now as well, because if you were running in the wrong bit, you could slip and fall over. Like, genius. <laughs> right, the, the fact that they made an animation for that blew my mind as well. You fall backward, hit the ground, like, did that happen? Oh, that reminds me too, did either of you, when you played that game, when you were on that deck, look straight up in first person and just wait? If you do that, a bird will poop on you, and you will see it on your vision slowly <laughs> falling down. So they get they get their just desserts too if you let them. Amazing. I, uh, I've I've got a PS2 set up in the other room and I've got Metal Gear Solid 2. I'm going to try that. I've yep, got to now. Oh, yeah. it's it's the, it's the only thing that would have made the, the only thing that would have made that slipping animation better is if Raiden slips, lands on his back, and then his shoes fly off, <laughs> and then you have to get replacement shoes. You have to hunt somewhere for replacement shoes. Otherwise, your feet made too much sound. You know, all 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 old school cartoony style. You hear the, and then the fl- the shoes fly off. You know, and then you just hear foot footsteps as he's running around barefoot. That would have absolutely enhanced that game, hundred percent. Absolutely. <laughs> well, you, you mean the old Hanna Barbera running sound effects, right? The... Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> nice. Sorry, Nomad. I, in- I interrupted you whilst you were telling us about your Thunderplane games. No, no worries. This is fun. I This is what it's all about, my friends, going all the way back to memory lane. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So the last game that I would take with me on the Thunder Plains is a game that I've never played before, and it's a game that I'm almost too afraid to play. It's Stardew Valley. Now, <laughs> the reason I'm too afraid to play this game is, is from what I know about it, and if I get any of these details wrong, fellow listeners, don't, don't rain on me. It's it's more or less a farming sim- simulator. Your your character inherits a farm. You can tend to the farm, but you can also go into town, uh, build up relationships. You can go into a dungeon and, and attack monsters. There's combat. There's all of that. And from what I've read, this game has no end. You just keep going. You keep improving your farm. You keep doing this, getting better at this, refining that. That sounds amazing to me. But it scares me because I know as soon as I start that game, no one will ever see Nomad again. And (laughs) (laughs) similar vibes to Animal Crossing. Exactly. Without the crippling debt, you know. Right. So I so I figure if if I'm stuck in the Thunder Plains for an undetermined amount of time, Persona 4 Golden will will scratch my RPG itch. Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker. We'll, we'll certainly capture that action itch that I'm going to have, and then when I'm done with that, I will drift into Stardew Valley until my rescue comes. Nice. Nice. Welcome to 4 Top 3s, where four friends list our top three favorite things about 
a random subject of choice. You might be wondering, hey, I already have like 75 other podcasts that is basically just for people who are friends talking bullshit at each other. Why should I be listening to this? We are actually from four different countries, so we are hoping to bring four different perspectives on all of these topics that we are about to choose. You throw Lion King out there like a dirty rag and then you <laughs> pontificate over Lilo and Stitch. That was very good. I thought you tried to give them back. No, and purchase no. a month of milk and bananas. Could you? Could I return them? I haven't opened them yet. <laughs> I just spent the night with two of the milks. Turkeys could talk. They'd sound like Mr. Meeseeks. <laughs> I was afraid to live this long. Kill me. <laughs> Oh no. Oh, French and turkeys, I love it. Oh, f my face. <laughs> you can find four top threes wherever you find your podcasts, and we release at the end of every month. See you then. Okay, so here's a question for you, keeping on the Resident Evil theme. Which game of the series, which you've played, um, did you get the most kick out of? Ooh. Uh, that's a toughie because really a lot of games that I've played in the series, I gotten a kick out of just different things from different games for different reasons. So I'm going to cheat. I'll keep it quick, but I've got a couple answers for you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Number one, resident evil two. It's top of my list. If I had to choose one, it's the most memorable, uh, arguably the best in the series. I absolutely enjoyed the idea behind how they presented that game. You can play as mm. two different characters, and depending on who you played as first, if you played as Leon Kennedy first, for instance, and you complete the game, you can save your game file, play as Claire, and run through the same scenario as her as you're intersecting in the police station with Leon and different events. And I think they mm. called it a zapping system. Don't know where they got that name from, but what you do in Leon scenario, a could have ramifications in Claire's scenario yeah. B the, the classic one. If you, if you two remember you're in the weapons locker in the, in the basement of the police station and you come across a locker that has a big machine gun and a side pack to add more items. When I first played this game the very first time, I didn't know that my actions were going to have ramifications. I was just a young kid. Consequences mean nothing to me. So I took <laughs> I took both the items and I put them in Leon's pocket. I'm like, all right, we're, we're, we're set. But then when I played as Claire and I was and I got to the same locker and realized there was nothing in there, my heart sank. But I also <laughs> but I also felt this well of excitement that this game did that. And mm. little things like that really stuck with me. And the uh, the, the the cherry on top, the ju the dual shock version of that game came with extreme battle mode at the end. Mm. And I could play that for hours. You you choose a character, you run through familiar locations, back to the police station to to find these bombs antivirus bombs that you have to put on the train in the umbrella laboratory. I love that. Mm. A lot of times it was random item locations were different. It kept me going for forever. So resident evil two top of my list for that. Just cause you mentioned extreme battle mode, uh, a little tidbit that I noticed when playing it. Cause I, I was exposed to that um, in the dreamcast version. Cause I played the dreamcast version as well. Um, Chris versus Leon, when you've got the shotgun, I can't remember if Chris in that mode gets the 
upgraded shotgun, but Chris versus Leon in regards to shotgun usage. Chris has got more control. Mm. He has less recoil than Leon. Yeah, you're you're because right. Leon's a rookie, and Chris is a Air Force pilot that was retrained into the Special Forces Stars, well, Rescue Squad. But yeah, he has less recoil, which means it's uh, it's easier because you get more shots off and you can run like hell and you're tankier and you're Chris. This is before his melon smuggling days. Yeah, in you're you're 100 <laughs> right. I mean, that man he punches boulders for a living, so handling the recoil of that shotgun. You're absolutely right. He had the upgraded shotgun, I remember, and Leon could get it if he found the right item, I I, I believe. But yeah, Chris stood there like a staunch statue and said, ah, let's go. Give me some. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. So, and then real quick, I've got two more runners up. Resident Evil 4. Resident Evil 4... I have a lot of memories with and got the bi- and got a really big kick out of because it was so unique. Obviously, I, I'd like to think we all know Resident Evil 4 at this point, the very unique combat over-the-shoulder view, but I loved playing that game over and over again because the combat was so fun, but it scratched this itch in me where I, I loved going around and collecting items, different jewels and mm. things to sell to the merchant. Got something for you, stranger. Just... Loved it. And getting as much money as I could, upgrading weapons. There was a point where I got so into Resident Evil 4, I kept saving over and over again to where I couldn't hold any more money. Like, there was just no point of me playing the game anymore. I, I played it that much. I had so much fun with that game. And and last but not least, and this is a hot take, I think. And, Jay, I don't think you've played this one yet. Resident Evil 6. Ah, yes. Now, somewhere, someone listening to this in their car right now is rolling their eyes at the radio, but hear me out. (laughs) Resident Evil 6, I know there's a lot of hate for because it it went so far into the action genre. It, It went so far away from survival horror. It wasn't really even a Resident Evil game, really. It just had the characters in it. But for some reason, that game was just fun to play. I could ignore mm-hmm. the story convolutedness. I could ignore some of the things that just didn't make sense from, from a gameplay standpoint. I loved playing as a character that I could make roll around and jump back and forth and the mobility. And <laughs> I, I said this to somebody and they thought I was lying to them, but I mean this. I got platinum trophies for Resident Evil 6 on the PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 3 and a thousand gamer score on the Xbox 360 and Xbox One versions. Gun to my head, I can't tell you why I like that game, but it's fun for me. <laughs> it's just it's just fun to play. It is awful fun. Mm. Nice. What other Resident Evil game do you have tanks firing at you while you're trying to jump across uh, ledges and stuff? Right. <laughs> <laughs> what other game as a character who turns out to be Wesker's son can you put your guns away and batter the hell out of things with your bare fists that is true very true I mean Chris could quite easily do it but I think that's just like too easy if Chris just punched everything into you know into pieces and moved on that's a mod I'd love to see on Resi 6 just whack next punch. Chris is one punch man yeah I was just you about know? to say one punch man I like it yeah <laughs> I like that. <laughs> nice. In your experience, right, we've got we've got two different control types for Resident Evil games. We've got the classic tank controls, and uh, you know you did a wonderful job of describing it on the Resident Evil episode, so I'll 
partially quote that and get it wrong. Essentially, if you push up on the D-pad, your character heads in the direction they are facing. If you push down, they head backwards, the reverse of where they are facing. Use left and right to turn them left and right. Okay. And then there's like third person-y, action-y, standard sort of controls where, you know, depending on where the camera is orientated, if you push up on the analog stick, they'll head in the up direction from where the camera is in, in that sort of fixed camera angles one. Um, so what, what, and then obviously over the shoulder, you know, it's just up to move forward and left and right to turn around. So which is your preferred like action game uh, or rather, which is your preferred control style for a Resident Evil game? Do they, do they, do they like, if, if someone like altered the code for the first Resident Evil game to give you that non-tank controls, would you play that? Or, you know, if you could somehow, like in a magical world, you could make it a third-person action game, would you prefer that? Like, where do you sit with the controls? Yeah, and I, I, I feel like this conversation is, is another one of those that just may divide all of us. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, yep. I love the old-school tank controls. And that yes. is, that is what I prefer. So it's, yes. so so yeah, you 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 nailed it, Jay. It's it's you, you press up on the D pad, you move the character in the direction that they're facing instead of relative to the camera. Whereas the action controls, same thing. It's 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 relative to the camera, not the person. There's, I I don't know the true story behind this. Maybe you two gentlemen do, but I've heard conflicting ideas based on the control scheme when it comes from from Capcom the developers. I've seen articles where 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 series director Shinji Mikami has said tank controls were designed for this type of game almost on purpose to enhance the the horror and the tension because the backgrounds in the older Resident Evil games were all pre-rendered static backgrounds. Mm. So wherever the camera was was where it was, and you had to move your character within that within that range. What I loved about the tank controls is I feel like, if that is true, Shinji Mikabe was correct. I felt much more tension because my character, even though they're a special forces operative, Chris Redfield, Jill Valentine, for instance, you would think they would be more mobile, more more nimble. But in this case, with those tank controls... If you have something coming at you, you can't just leap out of the way. You have to slowly pivot their body around like a tank and and get them out of there. And on the surface, that does sound awful. It just sounds bad. But once you've played it enough and you get used to the nuances, it's like mm-hmm. second nature. And I, yeah. I can't think of how I would be able to play a Resident Evil game like that with action controls. In fact... The Resident Evil remake, the one that originally came out on the GameCube and it's out uh, high definition now, I, I'm pretty positive has the ability to give you action type controls where if you press up, you go up, left it, whatever. I, yeah. I tried it. 17 seconds later, I'm out. <laughs> I didn't want anything to do. I, could, I couldn't do it. But a friend, yeah. uh, speaking of the action controls, just real quick, a friend of mine um, told me something that blew my mind. When I started playing the GameCube version, well, I played the GameCube version. That's how I started. Then when it came out on PC, I thought I'll give it a go. You know, there's a few extra bits and bobs. And he said, "Dude, dude, dude, stick it on action controls." I said, "Dude, I like tank." He said, "No, stick it on action controls." I went, "Right." Said, you can still use tank controls. I went, "Okay." Use the action controls to dodge zombies when they leap at you. 
absolute game changer. Mm. You can just, you can freak out and have Jill or Chris or whoever just sort of like a... <laughs> and then you just run around them. Interesting. Yeah, the, the, the reenactment of that I'll, I'll give people if, if they don't know what I'm on about is, imagine you're playing Goldeneye on the N64, right? And you're on that level where you're stuck in a prison, a, a prison cell, and you're trying to escape with... Um, the pair, I can't remember her name. Natalia, yeah, you know, the, the escort mission. And while she's talking to you, you tilt the cartridge ever so slightly forward. <laughs> and then the, the character's model just goes, <laughs> that's essentially what happens when I try and dodge. Because they, they try and leap at me, I move out of the way, they're lurching forward and I just run around them. Absolute game changer. But nice. if, if I could sneak this one in, oh, yeah, right, just... Go. Just, I, I think the original Resident Evil on the GameCube is the best. The HD remake and everything after that is hyped way too much. It's a good game. It can't, it was a launch title for the GameCube. I remember playing it. It's not the be all and end all. It's a good game, but it's hyped way too much. Same as Resident Evil Two remake. It is a really good game. It's way too hyped. And it gets on my nerves when people go, oh, it's the best Resi game. It really isn't. The Game, the game Boy Color one's the best one. But, you know. Um, <laughs> it's got sneak there. Bit of Gaiden. Contractually cut. obligated to sneak that in. <laughs> yeah, Gaiden. But yeah, I, I just, I'll, I'll let you get back to it in a second. But it's just, I, I can't stand it when people go, oh, it's remake. It's the first remake and the second remake. No, it really isn't. <laughs> there are other offerings. There's even there's even a first person dungeon crawler for Resident Evil. Don't just say remake. It's 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 the easy way out. Mm. Find a different argument. You know. Yeah, it, there's me dividing the fans. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I agree with some of that personally, but <laughs> but no, I don't think you're completely wrong either. The Resident Evil Two remake, and and since we're talking control styles, they. They took a lot from Resident Evil 4, the over-the-shoulder, that that kind of thing. But mm. does do action-based controls have a place in this series? Potentially, I think, if they're done right. I think the Resident Evil 2 remake and the Resident Evil 3 remake, for the most part, are great games. They're done really well. They control well. The, the, the atmosphere is fantastic. The graphics are amazing. I had a fun time. I platinum those, too. It was, mm. it, it was great. Are they the best? Are they the ipso facto, this is Resident Evil? I argue no. Ooh. Glad to hear that. <laughs> the, 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 yeah. the older games, the original Resident Evil, Resident Evil 2, and even Resident Evil 3 Nemesis, and then if you want to even go and, and divide your fan base, fan base into smaller sections, Code Veronica, I thought, was a fantastic game as well. And uh, yeah, that's Resident Evil to me. Nice. The the only Resident Evil game I know of that a single zombie can take two clips to take down. Right. Nowhere in <laughs> nowhere in this series does anyone think. Granted, all these all these individuals for the most part that were playing are trained as mil- military or or police. Never shoot for the head. What is up with that? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we don't use the Z word. We can't name them. No. <laughs> Not allowed. So here's something <laughs> real why. quick. Side point real quick. Have you played the game called Save Room? A game Save called Room Save is a, Room. 
I introduced Jay to this. He loves it. Squidge introduced me to this last week as we are recording. So like just over a month ago, as if you're listening to it on the day of release. It is, and this is a controversial, jokey statement. It's the best parts of Resident Evil 4 as a game. It's inventory management. That's it. As a puzzle. (laughs) Really? (laughs) It's really good. And like, uh, from what I can remember, it's super cheap on the Nintendo Switch. I think I bought it for like a a pound and something. So it'd be like a dollar and something, a dollar and change or whatever. It's It's a bit more than that, but... Yeah. If you imagine the the inventory management from Resident Evil 4, all the items are on the right, and you've got a set amount of space in the main part, and you've got to juggle shapes and stuff mm-hmm. to get it all fitting until you move to the next level. It's kind of like Resident Evil Tetris. Yes. That was, uh, and I think other people's too, that was my favorite part of that game is, oh, I've got all this junk in this attache case. What am I going to do? And and how you intricately line up your weapons and your herbs and those mm-hmm. little eggs you come across. Once you're done, mm-hmm. I felt more satisfied organizing my inventory than I, than I did taking enemies down. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Then yeah. may I recommend Save Room? It is such an amazing little title. It's a little indie title. Brilliant. All of the items have little descriptions. And it's 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 heavily based around Resident Evil Four. It's it is Resident Evil Four, but not to avoid copyright. Yeah. And one of the things that I saw was one of the things you had to put into the case was the broken butterfly, but it was called the um, the fixed butterfly. And the description was something along the lines of "This gun works. I don't understand why people don't use it more." Perfect. <laughs> 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 I'm gonna give that a try. I'm gonna check it out. Nice. Okay, so the next thing I've got written down on my uh, master plan, as written by Grandmaster Flash, uh, a.k.a. Squidge, is um, a thing that we do called Get Control of Yourself. Yeah. So this is, essentially, it's based on a tweet by uh, Since Species on Twitter, and that guy's amazing, I've got to say. Brian's amazing. Um, Essentially, what he said, and and we take this and and just basically run with it, and that is, um, he said, Get Control of Yourself. What's been your favorite controller of all time and which one bites the big one? So um, I realize I've probably sprung this on you a little bit uh, unprepared, but what's the greatest controller and what's the worst controller you've ever used? The greatest controller I've ever used is the PlayStation 4 DualShock 4 controller. Nice. Now, the reason for this is... Allow me to get a little intimate. When when I hold that controller... Steady on. Yeah. <laughs> When I hold that controller, it just fits just right. The Xbox 360 controller was was my runner-up, but there's just something about the PlayStation 4 controller that just... Maybe it's my big man hands. I don't know what it is, but it just fits perfectly in my hands. Um, but there's other features about the controller that I really like, too. I know for the PlayStation 3, I think it got off to a kind of a rocky start, but the six-axis mm. control... Yeah. Have either of you played Until Dawn before? The the, the scary game by Supermassive Games. I yes, I've played bits of it. There's what sold me on this controller was that game more than anything because there's parts of that game I won't spoil anything for anyone who's not played it but there's times in this game where you the, the character you're playing as has to stay completely still to avoid something that's chasing them or, or, or whatever 
And the you have to keep your controller completely still. If you bump it or move it, you'll fail this quote unquote quick time event, and and something will bad will happen to you. And just just that notion of having to hold my controller close close and how it integrated into gameplay really stuck with me. The LED on the front, I love. Certain games you play will change different colors. Like uh, yep. one game I was sucked into for for way too long was The Division Two. And as you're playing the game, you've got the yellow watches that your characters wear. Your controller LED will be that color yellow or color orange, rather. And when you get healed, it'll turn green. When you take damage, I think it turns red. Just little touches like that that ever so subtly immerse you into the game experience. So the PlayStation 4 is my best controller of all time. I I seem to remember um, the PS3 when I first got mine. Um, It was Army of Two. Yeah, you know where you, you played as the two mercenaries and what have you, and there's there's a part, yeah, there's there's a part where you're you're parachuting into somewhere. Now I've got it on the 360 and the PS3. 360, you just moved, so you'd avoid or go quicker or go slower. The PS3 one, you actually tilted the pad to go further. And I had mine on my, on my lap, and I thought, why am I dying all the time? And then it clicked as I lifted it. Oh, that's what it is, right? Okay, I was a bit more immersed. Nice. But yeah, that was. Yes, yeah, some of the things, and then you've got the use of the touchpad at the top. Yeah, I can. Yeah, it is a good pad. Interesting point about the touchpad, right? If you if you connect the PS4 controller up to your computer, you can have the touchpad as a mousepad. Yes, I, I, I found that, yeah. that I found that out on accident one day. I saw a little mouse cursor on my screen, like what is happening? But <laughs> it's 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 perfect. I I use a PlayStation 4 controller for a lot of what I do on PC now. It's it's fantastic. Nice. And for anyone who doesn't know, just a word of caution, if you're going to use a PS4 pad with any first-person game, through Steam especially, you, you need to go through the, the big picture settings for the pad and turn off the gyro controls, because that will control where you look. Ooh. First time I played, um, oh, what was it? It was uh, Deus Ex. The, the the first expansion pack where you dropped into this island, I was sort of sat there. I was like, right, and I had I had the 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 cable plugged in, so I'm flicking it, you know, as you do, you, you do that quick flick to get the, the thing out your way. Get more cable, yeah. The camera just went nuts. I was like, what? What's going on? <laughs> it took me 24 minutes to figure out how to turn it off because it was it was on my knee. Wow. While I was trying to turn it off, and in the background, the game was like spinning and. Ugh. <laughs> like to pause it and then try and figure it out. So if you use it on Steam, just make sure the gyro controls are off. There is a, a thing to do it because if you do it, you're going to be in a world of spinny pain. Nice. <laughs> spinny pain. I like it. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's a that's a good segue into my worst controller because this controller, as far as I know, does not have gyro controls, and it brings me nothing but sadness. The Nintendo 64 controller. And I think that's Ooh. I think it's a popular take, maybe, but but here's here's why. So I was unfortunate enough to handle one of these controllers here and there when I was younger. Now I, I never had a Nintendo 64, but a couple of my friends did. And when I'd go over, we'd play games like Super Smash Brothers, we'd play uh Star Fox 64, that that kind of thing. But just let me ask all your listeners to close their eyes and imagine this controller in their hand. And try to press every button 
that you can while holding this controller. Oh wait, you can't. Let's move our hands over this way to the left and try to wrap it up from the underside. Ah, there's certain buttons I still can't press. That drove me bonkers. And this controller is probably responsible for maybe arthritis I'm going to get as I get older, just by default. (laughs) And cherry on top of that Sunday, the thumbstick. My friends, there there was a friend of mine. I I can't remember his name. Sorry, friend. I, I, I still love you. He went through three different Nintendo 64 controllers because that thumbstick kept breaking off on him, and he wasn't very tough with it. I read somewhere that it was a design thing. I think it was just very weak on the bottom or just something beneath the surface, but he kept going through Nintendo 64 controllers left and right. So the combination of, of early onset arthritis and that thumbstick <laughs> is is why I consider this probably the worst controller. And maybe you guys can give me some indication on why this is. They make a Nintendo 64 controller for the Nintendo Switch, and it is so popular, I barely ever see it in the store. And I want to understand why people want that thing so bad, because I don't I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> okay, so nostalgia and it's wireless. Mm-hmm. That's what I can think, because you charge it up. Yeah, but that's it. Was your friend was your friend a big Mario Party player? Because that would that would explain why the control stick got snapped so much. Yeah, he was. That's you're, you're probably right. Had, had that famed circle of skin missing from the center of his hand. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Now I I've I've this is a potential to blow your mind, but I know how an N64 pad is supposed to be controlled. I've done years worth of research into this. I've traveled the globe, sort of. Down the street. Well, um, I mean, to, you've got a to globe in your people. house and you've spun it, right? That's oh yeah, yeah. Just travel, spin it. Right? Why not? Yeah. <laughs> Uruguay, you know. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. The N sixty four controller. Brace yourself. It's meant to be played with three hands. <laughs> that makes sense. Why did we not think of this earlier? Three hands. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Such a simple thing that nobody figured out until years, decades after it got released. Three hands, that's how you play it. Or, if you want to get extra weird, try playing Goldeneye with two controllers. Why would someone want to do that? The left and right stick is for movement and aiming. Uh, right? <laughs> and there's the, the two Z buttons, one would shoot and one would change weapon. <laughs> you'd still have to pause one to get like your remote bombs and stuff but you can actually play it like that I've never tried it uh, I found my copy and I've got two pads does, I'm really tempted does that mean that's what we're doing next time I come over Squidge no maybe okay, that's alright okay I'll get some pizza and beer and we'll give it a try <laughs> what do we need tools and beer crazy scheme yes. absolutely <laughs> yeah, so now you know you got to you got to use an N sixty four controller with three hands. Absolutely. So all those people lucky enough to have three hands, that's the controller for you. <laughs> uh, so many minds blown today. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. So here's one for you. Let, let me get my uh, the the, uh, the script. The uh, this this episode the. The, the guest is live. The hosts are scripted. Uh, just to let you know. Um, I couldn't tell. That was good. <laughs> that's, uh, that's why it takes so long to do this. You know? um, we better pre-plan for every single um, possible yeah. 
thing you could say and record it ahead of time then put it onto vhs because you know we're at the height of technology so, so you had to ant- yes. you had to anticipate telling me that to say that in case i wondered that's incredible. and i had to anticipate answering you as well yeah. oh my gosh yeah i'll i'll insert the poems later on um <laughs> so with with the world of indie games pushing boundaries because the AAA developers don't have time, money, patience, or any need to. Um, would you say the fixed camera angle, or uh, give me a second, scripting error? Um, would you say the fixed camera angle tank control games could make a comeback in the future? Because there are games such as like Alyssa, which is a mixture of Resident Evil, Dark Souls, and an RPG. Would you say that there's a, a market for it? Would you say there'd be a, some sort of comeback? Yeah, Alyssa was the first game that I was thinking of when you were asking me that question. Now, it's as far as it making a comeback, I'm kind of divided with that. And the reason being, now, before we before we sat down, I did some internet research. And according to the internet, the average gamer today is around 35 years old. I'm assuming that's accurate because the internet is never wrong. But... <laughs> <laughs> The reason the reason I bring that <laughs> <laughs> the reason I bring that up is my my generation people that are as old as I 30 35 37 I can't remember what I said my age was before so we're just going to let it go. We grew up with those kind of games and there is a nostalgia mm-hmm. for that type of 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 game. And anytime I find a game that has fixed cameras or tank controls, I tend to gravitate towards it because I like that style. It really resonates with me and it definitely tickles that nostalgia bone. Um, So I'd like to think just if indie games were to go that direction or maybe even if it pushed into the AAA market. Yeah, I'd like to think there'd be a market for that. Gamers are getting older, but they're still playing games. And I think that there could be some appeal for that. The problem with that statement, as I was thinking about it more, is even though it's something that brings a nostalgic tinge from from people of of yesteryear and and, and it's something that people like to play, even people back then don't like tank controls. And (laughs) I believe that that might be the downfall. I, I don't know if there's enough of us older quote-unquote gamers that are going to be able to revive that type of game so i'd like to see it i really would but is it realistic i don't know it's debatable so let's let's just scratch that itch and have someone create a mod for breath of the wild where it's open world but fixed camera angles and tank controls that's what that's we need that's what we need uh, right, that'd be a hell of a project. Fixed but yeah. camera angles, tank controls, Legend of Zelda. Right, and with, then everyone. Yeah, with all the accessibility options that are coming into games nowadays, why wouldn't developers do something like that? Do you want to have a miserable time, person, and have these specific type of controls? You can just check that little box in the options menu. Hey, do you <laughs> take hate my yourself? effing money? Right, <laughs> take my money right now. I hate myself just enough to pay for that. Take it. Right. I need to make sure I'm... Take my money and a kidney. I don't need them. (laughs) Just want to make sure I'm still alive enough to feel. Let's let's go. (laughs) Nice. 
but it, it, it's a really interesting thought all the way through, and and I love indie games for that because they're experimenting with and going back to those older style of of controls and 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 ways that games are played. So, I I'm really hopeful that we do see a lot more of that type of game. I really do. Yeah, tank controls and Resident Evil Rock Band. That's what we want to see. Yeah, seriously though, dude, I would pay for that game. I would pay a whole bunch of money for it, and I would play it. Like someone needs to make Fretz of Fire do that, and I will, I will play it. Yeah, maybe, 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 maybe your guys's podcast will be able to will it into existence. I'm, I'm right there yes. with you. I'm, I'm using wishful did, thinking at best. What did you say it was that I had squish sexual energy or something? I'll use that. Uh, That's what'll make it happen. Yeah, the the yeah. Let's just say yes. I can't remember that long ago. <laughs> Listen, I've breathed since then. That means I've forgotten, right? <laughs> kind of, yeah. Excellent. So, no man, I've had a whole bunch of fun, and I can't speak for Squidge. Squidge, have you had a whole bunch of fun? Um, yes. Good. Good. Yeah, it's been it's been amazing having you on the show. What I would love to do before we do any kind of wrapping up or anything. Just remind the listener about your show and how they can get it. Because, like I said, right, I'm not trying to blow smoke up you, but I really do enjoy listening to your show. So I want more people to hear it. So tell the people about your show. Yeah, absolutely. So, so again, everyone at home and in their cars, my podcast is called The Retro Wildlands. And my podcast is designed to give everyone that's played a game before that, that I'm talking about on the show just a walk down memory lane to be able to listen to me talk about a game that they've played before. And maybe I, I I spark a memory. Maybe I give you that dopamine drip that you're looking for. But at the same time, if you've never played a game that I'm talking about before, I'm hoping that I can convince you to either play it or you'll know what it is that I'm talking about. I enjoy talking about games and that's what I do. It's just me on the podcast with exception of episode 10, the Simpsons arcade. If you want to hear me going back and forth with my stepdaughter, that was fun. Um, but ultimately I tell you all about the games that I've discovered or rediscovered while roaming the gaming wildlands. And, and I appreciate both of you giving me such high praise just because it's been such a, such a fun passion project for me. But at the same time, yeah, I I would love for someone to listen to the podcast, give me their feedback. And if nothing else, I'm just having fun talking to people about video games. And that's ultimately what the Retro Wildlands are all about. Ting, TM, trademark. Let's let's go with that. That sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah. Insert so, jingle here. Exactly. And we're <laughs> we're on all the major platforms, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts. Um, I don't think there's a platform out there that I'm not on, if I did my homework correctly. Um, we're on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, where you can interact with me directly if you wanted to pick my brain, talk with me, uh, just... just whatever i'm over on social media and our website if you don't want to listen through a podcasting app retro wildlands dot i'm sorry retro wildlands podcast dot podbean dot com is the website that i have very basic but if you just want to listen to the show that's where you can do it mm, nice nice well yeah thank you very much for being a guest on you can have Absolutely. your house keys back now much <laughs> Much appreciated. I, I appreciate your guys's forced, I, I mean, generous hospitality. <laughs> I'm sure you've got things to do, you know, and you probably left the washing machine on. So, yeah, there, there's your keys back. <laughs> Aren't you supposed to leave the washing machine on? Like, that's what I do. I put the thing in, I leave it on, and I walk away. 
I don't Wash, watch sorry, the, the iron. Not oh, washing okay. machine, the iron. Yeah, yeah. The iron is the dope. Iron I leave I leave them on. Things are meant to be turned on and used, so that's Absolutely. my motto. Yeah. <laughs> really? <That's... laughs> you don't have to turn them off, so you don't have to worry about toasting the air near them. That's a toaster. Absolutely. Not 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 the not the stove or the iron. You'd be alright. Sound advice. So so anyone listening to this, you learned something today. I know I did. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so uh yeah like i said nomad it's been a pleasure chatting with you today and i hope that more people discover your show and i've 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 loved talking about all of the stuff it's really vague what i'm saying but all of the stuff that we've talked about the the, the dalliances we've gone on and discussing all the games you would take to the thunder planes and all that kind of stuff i've really enjoyed it and please someone make resident evil rock band i would love to play that game with that being said Thank you all for listening to another episode of Waffle and Taylors. We are available on Twitter and Facebook and YouTube and Twitch and all that kind of stuff. Uh, as Waffle and Taylors, I've done the whole SEO nonsense. Head over to waffleandtailors.rocks for our website. On there, and Squidge is going to make fun of me, but on there there's a section called Those Games We Played, which lists every single game we've ever discussed on the podcast or in our early in- incarnation as a blog. And it lists them totals them up so you can actually order it by how many times we've mentioned the game what is your favorite game and have we talked about it and if you click it it'll show you all the episodes that we talked about it on because it's really clever i roll thank you Squidge. <laughs> <laughs> i'll come across really well in the audio i roll thank you very much Squidge. but yes it's been an absolute pleasure Norman. thank you very much thank you for having me i really really appreciate the opportunity it's been a pleasure